Good morning. We are so glad that you could be with us. We're in a sermon series this Advent season called Holidays. We've been using Joseph through the eyes of him as we look into the Advent season. And and we've already looked already the the things that we know about Joseph. He's really not spoken of that much in the Bible, given the important role he played in the life of Jesus. He only has 18 verses total mentioned of him in the Bible. And there's only, he's never quoted, not even once. What we know about him is that he was a carpenter. We don't know that from the Christmas stories. We know that from Matthew 13 that tells us he was a carpenter. We know he was poor. We know that he was from a podunk town, uh, Nazareth. We know all of those things about him. We, we found out last week that um, um, even though he had no uh, education, really, no notoriety, no influence, maybe it wasn't... Uh, 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 in spite of those things, but maybe in fact it was because of those things that God, God chose him for this very special task of raising and being the earthly father for Jesus. We learned last week he was a righteous man, a faithful man, some versions say. And when Mary came and gave him the news that she was expecting a child and that he wasn't the daddy, Joseph showed us before, before he learned from the angel that, that everything that Mary was saying was true. Joseph shows us what it's like, how a faithful person, how a righteous person responds in the, in the, the midst of betrayal. For at that moment, when Mary first told him that, that story, he wanted to divorce her quietly. He didn't, want, he didn't believe her. And we're told that he showed her mercy and grace, taking the shame, really, of, of that, that breakup upon himself and taking the, 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 probably the, the, the gossip from the town upon himself rather than on Mary. He showed us what it is, showing mercy, grace, compassion, understanding in the midst of what he thought at that moment of betrayal. Well, we're going to pick up the story again in Matthew chapter 1. Let me read it for you. In Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break up the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All right, we know this story. We know it so very, very well. Mary tells him the news. He doesn't believe it. Later, later, how much later, we don't know. But later, the angel shows up and tells him that, that what, what Mary said was true. Have you ever, he does this, the angel comes to Joseph in a dream. You ever had a dream like that? You ever seen an angel? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Hebrews 13.2 says this, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. It seems to me, if the Bible says it, and the Bible is always true, of course, that, that we may have entertained angels and we didn't even know about it. You might have entertained angels. You didn't even, just strangers. I remember one time, years ago now, I was living up north and, and a guy was hitchhiking. It was in the winter time, uh, around Christmas time. Maybe I was thinking of that verse from Hebrews. I don't know, but a guy was hitchhiking. And so I pulled off the road to, to get him and he hopped in my car. And this guy, as soon as he got in, he, he reeked of gasoline. 
I mean, he smelled like he jumped in, you know, a vat of gasoline. I mean, he just stunk up the whole car and he started talking to me and I was talking with him and he was peppering his conversation with some colorful words and we just, I just kept on driving. And then, and then he said to me, do you mind if I smoke? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm thinking, yes, I, I, I would have said yes anyway. But to this guy, I thought, you know, he'd light up and the whole car would light up. <laughs> And so I said, you know, I, I really would mind if you smoked. I'd rather you not do that. And so he was all right with that. And eventually he got out. I don't think that guy was an angel. All that to say, I don't know. My guess is angels don't smell like gasoline, probably don't use the language he used. And so, so, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have seen one. Maybe they've crossed your path. You didn't even know it. The one thing that we know, at least that guy, a lot of times in the Bible, angels aren't depicted the way they are in your nativity set. If it's true that angels might show up at our door and we not even know it, it might just very well be that angels don't have wings. The Bible never says they have wings. And in Isaiah 6, we're told of seraphs, they have six wings. In Ezekiel, we're told of cherubim, they have have wings. They also have four faces. I think usually when we think of those uh, heavenly creatures, we think of, you know, like Cupid at Valentine's Day coming and zinging you with an arrow. I'm not sure that's what the angels really look like. Now, maybe they have wings, maybe they don't. Once we get to heaven, I guess we'll figure it all out. The Greek word here for angel is angelos, which simply means messenger. That, that, that a messenger came to, to Joseph in a dream. Actually, Joseph has four dreams, if you know the Christmas story. The first dream, the angel shows up and tells him, you know, what Mary said was true. You can take her as your wife. The second dream uh, is, is after the baby's been born and the angel shows up in a dream, says you better get to Egypt, Herod is a nutcase. The third dream is once they're in Egypt, uh, uh, the angel comes to Joseph and says, you know what, you got the green light, go on back to, to, to Nazareth. The fourth dream, the angel shows up and says, don't go through Judea. Four dreams, all, all to, to Joseph. Why did, why did God come to him in four dreams? Why did it come in dreams at all? When Gabriel showed up to Mary, it was face to face. She wasn't dreaming. And Gabriel showed up and, 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 and spoke to her. That was, she was you know, wide awake. The angel was there. But for Joseph, it was four dreams. I think the point is, this is just speculation, but I think the point is God knows exactly the best way to communicate to you. And for Mary, maybe that was a live, in-person angel. Maybe the news was so unbelievable that she needed to have a live, in-person angel right there. Maybe if it would have been a dream like Joseph had, maybe she would have woke up the next morning and thought, oh my goodness, that was bad pizza or bad matzo ball or bad something. I had the craziest dream. Could never be true. Of course, Joseph, when he had the dream, he had already been told by Mary And so for him, uh, that dream spoke exactly what he needed at the time he needed. Maybe the best way for for Mary was that live in person, and the best way for Joseph was a dream or an angel in the dream. See, God knows us. He knows everything about us. He created us. He knows the best way, the perfect way to communicate to you. So, this first dream for, for Joseph. And the angel comes to him and says, Don't be afraid, Joseph. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Here's what I've learned. When people tell me to not be afraid, generally, I have good reason to be afraid. It's kind of like when my boys were were growing up, whenever they would say, say, Dad, I don't want you to be mad, but whenever they said that, I knew what was going to follow was probably something that was going to make me upset. 
I don't want you to be mad, Dad, but, you know, I broke the window. Dad, I don't want you to be mad, but I wrecked the car. Dad, I don't want you to be mad, but here's my report card. Usually it was bad news when I heard that. And for this, usually in the Bible, when, when God says to, to people, speaks to people, don't be afraid. Usually there is a big, hairy, scary task that's going to follow. A task that would make you, maybe make you even a little fearful. It happens throughout Scripture. In Genesis 15, God comes to Abram and says, Abram, before he's even Abraham, do not be afraid that, that you're going to leave the, the land of Ur, go to the promised land. You're going to be the father of a great nation. Don't be afraid. In Genesis 21, God comes to Hagar. Remember, Abraham uh, uh, and, and Sarah had, had his concubine was Hagar. They kicked him out. She was leaving in, in Genesis 21, and, and the Lord come to her. Don't be afraid, Hagar. I'm going to take care of you. Know everything that's going on. Don't be afraid. In Genesis 26, the Lord goes to Isaac, don't be afraid. In Genesis 46, he goes to Jacob, don't be afraid. To Moses, through, throughout the, as he's leading the children through, through the, the wilderness, God comes to him numerous times, don't be afraid, Moses, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. In Joshua chapter 1, just before the people of Israel were going to go into the promised land, God came to Joshua and said, don't be afraid. After they had been defeated by that little tiny town called Ai, and they're getting ready to fight them again, God again comes to Joshua and says, don't be afraid. To Gideon, before he fights the Midianites, don't be afraid. To Elijah, don't be afraid. To Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Joel and Zephaniah and Zechariah, over and over and over again, God says the same thing. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Jesus, when Jesus comes, on the night that he was betrayed, before he was arrested, he went to the disciples in John chapter 14 and said, said don't let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. In, in Revelation chapter 1, when John the Revelator is, is, is writing down, as Jesus reveals to him uh, uh, the, all those things in that, that great book, the closing book of the Bible, he comes to John and says, don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. Over and over again, over 80 times. God's word says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. So just take a wild guess. What do you think God does not want us to be? (laughs) Right? It's not rocket science. And God is saying to Joseph in this dream, listen, Joe, don't be afraid. Don't, Don't surrender to your fears. It's a big task that I'm asking you to do. You're going to be the earthly father of my only begotten son. You're going to need to take Mary as your wife. You're going to need to raise this child as your own. Don't be afraid. It's a big job. But I'm going to be with you and Mary. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And you can look to me. I'm going to give you the strength you need. I'm going to be the help you need. Don't be afraid, Joseph. See, and and as this is, again, dream number one, there's going to be three more dreams to follow where God is saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you. I'm I'm going to guide you. Don't worry, Joseph. I'll be right by your side. Don't be afraid. Here's the plan. Just like I told to Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and, and, and Gideon and, 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 and all of them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And God comes to us and says the same thing. Now, sometimes there's very good reason to be afraid. If a pit bull is running at you and snarling and growling and barking very loudly, you know, be afraid. Carla has no fear of heights. She jumped out of a a plane 14,000 feet in the air uh, with a parachute and an instructor, and she had no fear. They they came to me and said, do you want to do it too? I said, no way. That is crazy. There's no way. But had you put a snake on that plane with her, she would have jumped out without the parachute. 
She's deathly afraid. Don't tell her that you have a pet snake. She'll think poorly of you. She just, she, you know, she hates snakes. Sometimes those fears are, are legitimate. Sometimes those fears are, are good to have. God has placed that sense in us. Maybe you heard the old story. A guy saw a bear in the woods and he was running for his life and the bear was chasing him and he was so afraid. And finally he knew that he wasn't gonna outrun the bear and so he dropped to his knees and all he could do was say a quick, quick prayer. He said, Lord, make this a Christian bear. Make it a Christian bear. And right when he prayed that, the bear also dropped down to his knees and he said, Lord, thank you for this food we're about to eat. That's just dumb. That is the stupidest joke of all. But you know what I mean? There are, there are illegitimate fears and legitimate fears. Fears that God has placed in us to be, to be careful, to be aware of our circumstances and surroundings. But there are also plenty of phony phobias. I've put a few up on the, on the screen. This one, selenophobia. Do you know what that is? Anyone know what that is? That's fear of the moon. I don't know why anyone... Would be, the, the moon is 238,900 miles from Earth. It can't hurt you. I don't know why people are afraid of the moon, but that's the fear. The next one, I can't pronounce this, porphyrobia. Do you know what that is? Fear of purple. Poor Barney, no one likes him, I don't know. This next one, this one, I, maybe I have a touch of this. Coolrophobia. Fear of clowns. Clowns are a little creepy sometimes, and so I think maybe... This next one, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Do you know what that one is? Fear of long words. I'm not kidding. That's what that fear is. And here's the last one I put up here. Achieve me phobia. Do you know what that is? The fear of winning. That, I'm not joking. That's what that is. Fear of winning. Clearly the lions have that fear. That's a cheap little shot at them. I'm sorry. I did see a bumper sticker the other day. It said, go lions. And underneath it said, and take the tigers with you. Which is just wrong. That is wrong. I am a fan of both. There are plenty of real legitimate fears, but there's also fears that people get gripped by. Even during this, this holiday, fear of the future, fear of their health, fear of, of something bad happening in their family, money issues, safety, security. It seems like now that, that the way to get votes is just to make people afraid. That, that works on both sides of the aisle. There's so many gripping fears. The number one Bible app this year, 2018, According to, or, or the number one requested Bible verse by the, the UVerse Bible app. That's the number one app in the world. And the number one requested Bible verse, according to, to them, is Isaiah 41.10. Do you remember that verse? It said, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. That reason that that verse has been so requested is because people are gripped by fears and they, they need the, they need, when they're facing a challenge or when a big problem comes around them, they need a word from the Lord. And Isaiah 41's word is don't be afraid, do not fear, over and over again. God tells us that in his word, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't right, be afraid. Listen, you know, every miracle in the Bible, every single one, without exception, Every preceding every miracle in the Bible, there's a problem. Every one. There's a thing that could induce fears. In the New Testament, it's blind guys, lame guys, demon-possessed guys, whatever it may be, there's a problem. In the Old Testament, it's you know, the children of Israel facing the Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. 
There's plenty of fears. But God, God works in the, those, those situations and he worked a miracle and the children of Israel walked on, on dry land. It's, it's, it's David facing Goliath. There's a problem. And God works a miracle. It's Daniel in the lion's den. There's a problem, those hungry lions. It's the fiery furnace in the three, three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a problem, and God works a miracle. Before every miracle, there's a problem, a fear-inducing problem. But here's, here's the point of all this. We can trust God. That's, what God. that's why over and over and over again in Scripture, God is telling us, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Hear him say those words from Isaiah 41. Do not fear. Teenager, don't fear. Parents, don't fear. Grandparents, retiree, don't fear. Single moms, don't fear. If you're going through a horrible stretch, don't fear. I'm with you, God says. Not just anybody. God's saying that. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't, Don't get so bent out of shape by the irrational fears and worries there's a good reason why the bible tells us over and over again over the new testament old testament people that you've heard of people you haven't heard of all these people are hearing the same message it's because god has a better way than being gripped by fears so many of us get so wrapped up and live such a fearful life and we, it's like we can't move forward because we're gripped by that, whatever that fear may happen to be. We get so worried about things that, that we need not worry about. And the Christmas story is reminding us over and over again not to be afraid. And not just with Joseph. If we were to flip over to, to, to Luke's account, we would read how, Zachariah, how, how an angel came to Zechariah. And told him how his wife Elizabeth was, was they, had, they were barren, they didn't have any children, and that they were going to, to be parents. She would give birth to John the Baptist. And the very first word out of the angel's mouth of Zechariah is, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. When the angel showed up to Mary, you'll remember that encounter, Gabriel shows up to Mary, and the very first thing he says is, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You would think that would be great news. Yeah, well, I'm glad the Lord is with me, and I'm glad that I'm highly favored, But that's not what Luke says happens. Verse 29 of that first chapter says, Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. To the shepherds on the the Bethlehem hillside, same thing. Angel showed up, first words out of their mouth, do not be afraid. And of course, the, the message that we've been focusing on this morning to Joseph, the angel shows up in that dream. It says, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. Because that boy is going to save the people from their sins. We've stated it over and over again. Do not be afraid. For Joseph, that meant, that meant, that, that meant take Mary as your wife. And even though people will do the math in their heads and they'll count up the, when you got married and how long it took before the baby was born and they'll draw some conclusions and there'll be challenges, no doubt, Joseph. And there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be situations that you won't always know how to handle, Joseph. No doubt about it, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Again, that was dream number one. Joseph has four dreams. Why didn't God, maybe this is a bad question to ask, why didn't God just lay out the whole deal for Joseph in one dream? No, save the wear and tear on the angels. I don't know if they get wear and tear, but why didn't he do one? Why was there four dreams? Why didn't the angel, the first angel, just show up, say, Joe, don't worry. What Mary was saying was true. Take her as your wife, 
And then after the baby's born, you better hightail it to Egypt because Herod is as is, is fruity as can be. And, and, and then once, once he's dead, I'll send up a, snow, a smoke signal or something and you can come back to Nazareth. Don't go through Judea and, and everything will be great. It seems like I would take a lot less time. Why four dreams instead of one dream? Now this again, it's just, I think God shows us what we need for the day. He doesn't always lay out the whole plan. He didn't for Joseph. I think sometimes if he would have laid out the whole plan, then it might, you know, make us even more nervous. We might think, oh, my land for Joseph. If he would have said, all right, what Mary is saying is true. If he would have said, and then you're going to go to Bethlehem, which is, you know, 70 miles away. And then, and then Herod's going to determine he's going to kill all the kids. And then you're going to need to become refugees in Egypt. And then, and then finally, after a few years, I'll let you know and you can come back. You know, maybe Joseph would have just you know, send him over the edge. God knows what we need when we need it. He knows, he, he doesn't always lay out the whole plan to us. I remember when Carla and I were, were deciding to come to Michigan and God had called us here and we believe God called us here and that was five years ago. And at the time we thought, you know, it'll be good to be in Michigan. Um, it'll be good to be closer to our parents. Uh, my mom lived about an hour away. Carla's folks lived about two hours away. We thought, you know, as they're getting older, we can zip down there and help them during those, those years, and, and that'll be a great blessing. And, and so, so that was part of, the, part of the deal. So we moved here. Now, little did we know, you know, once, once we got here, we hadn't been here, we hadn't been here a month, and our dog died. And then, and then we weren't here, but uh, it took us five months to find a house. And we were here about three months, and my mom died. And we had no idea that Carla's dad's Alzheimer's would, would progress at the rapid rate that it did. And we, we had no idea that Carla's mom, she was shopping and went tumbling down a set of stairs, uh, 18 stairs, all the way down to the base. We didn't know any of those things. And I think if God would have come to us and said, listen, Rob, we want you to go to Flint and, and, you, and you need to leave your, your kids behind and you'll go there and your, your dog's going to die and your mom's going to die and, and you're... And, and, and you're your father-in-law, you know, is going to have Alzheimer's really bad, and, and Mary's going to tumble down the stairs. And I don't know, that might have just said, <laughs> I don't know if we can handle all that, Lord. But he didn't do it that way. He said, I want you to go to Flint. Okay. And then once we got here, he gave us the, 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 the next strength for whatever the situation or whatever the issue that, that came along. That's the way God works. He doesn't always lay out all the plans. I have a friend that climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, in, in, in Africa. And he told me on the day that they were going to go to the summit, they, they started really early. In fact, they started in the middle of the night. still dark. And they hiked uh, 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 several hours in the dark. And when the sun finally came up, they could see the summit and they, and they went there, they got to the summit and then they made their way back in plenty of time. And my friend asked the guides, what, you know, there was plenty of time in the day. Why didn't we just leave sleep all night and, and, and leave in the morning, we could have made it to the summit and still back in plenty of time. Why didn't we do that? And the guide told him, said, if we would have started when you could see where the summit is and you could see how, what, what rough and difficult hiking it was, he said, you would have said you couldn't do it. So we start in the middle of the night where you can't see and you don't know how rough the terrain is. You don't know how difficult it is. And then when the sun finally comes up after you've already been hiking four or five hours, you see the summit and you say, oh yeah, I can make that. <laughs> That'll be easy. So if we did it the other way, you'd think you'd never make it. And I think that's the way God is with us. If God told us about all the pitfalls and all the difficulties and all the challenges and all the struggles, 
Maybe we'd say, oh my, I don't, I don't know that I can make it. But God doesn't do that because he knows that we would miss out on the blessings. We'd miss out on the miracles. No miracle if there's no problem. We'd miss out on relying on him. We'd miss out on, on seeing his might and power at work. Maybe we'd miss out on, on, on our loved ones seeing how we respond to those difficult challenges and yet still doing it with faith and, 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 and grace. And they say, wow, look at how God is working through the midst of all that. And we'd miss out on how God shapes us, moves us, rolls us into the person that he wants us to be. See, I think that's how God works. He gives us direction for what we need for when we need it. And we trust him and we, and, we, and we take a few steps and then we get that victory under our belt and he shows us a little more and we trust him and we get that victory under our belt and, 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 and he shows us in bits and pieces how we need to move forward, always knowing that he's by our side. That's, that's what Joseph is showing. God is showing him bits and pieces. This is where I want you to go today, Joseph. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. She's gonna have a baby. Not just any baby, a special baby. You're not going to name him Joe Jr. That'll come later in Matthew 13. You'll see that they did name one of their kids Joe Jr. But this boy, this boy, this boy, you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save the people from their sins. And so began the adventurous life that Mary and Joseph never could have dreamed of, but an adventurous life that God has placed in them. There's a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene named, named Paul Cunningham And he used to say, if you want an exciting life, if you want an adventurous life, then give your whole life to Jesus Christ. And how true that is. That's what Joseph is discovering. If we want an adventurous life, an exciting life, then we give our whole life to Jesus. I heard an interview with a guy who was working on the Rose Bowl parade of floats. I think it, it 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 was either last year or the year before that. And he was clearly enjoying what he was doing. You know, he's building the float and he was just having a great time and the reporter went up to him and said, don't you wish you could do this for your entire life? And the guy, right on cue, said, no. I don't want to give my life to something that only lasts for two weeks. And I thought, that guy is exactly right. I want to give my life to something that has eternal dimensions. If you want an exciting life, an adventurous life, then give your whole life to Jesus Christ. See, Joseph, he didn't know. He didn't know what all was going to... When he said yes, when that angel came in that dream and said, Joseph, this is the deal. Take Mary as your wife. What she was saying is true. Take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. You're going to name him Jesus. That's all the angel gave him. But Joseph, that's all he needed. Okay, yes. I'll do it. Then, of course, after Jesus was born, the angel came again. Hey, Joseph, you better get to Egypt. Trouble's brewing. Okay, I'm going. And then in Egypt, you got a couple more dreams. The, the same thing will happen with you. Just, it's being obedient. It's trusting God. It's saying, saying, I don't know what God is up to, but I know this. I can trust him. And rather than fearing, I'm going to trust. See, see, fear, when it speaks into us, it, it says, oh, what if all these problems happen? What if we get on the way to Bethlehem and she decides to have the... What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if, what if? Like Joseph, we can hear you say, don't be afraid. I got this one. You can follow me. You can trust me. I'll see you through. Lord, give us all a great week ahead. Help us to share your love. Bring us back tonight for the great choir uh, musical. Just be with us, Lord, throughout this season. In Jesus' name, amen.